Hello, and welcome to Business Talk, brought to you by Business West and Living Local. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and I'd like to introduce your host of Business Talk. He's editor and associate publisher of Business West. Here is George O'Brien. Okay, welcome everyone to another episode of Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. I am George O'Brien, the editor of Business West. I'm happy to be with you today. Uh, we have a great show for you. We have with us Tom Senecal. He is the president and CEO of People's Bank. Tom, how are you today? I'm great, George. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. Uh, we, we have Tom on. Uh, Tom is the president and CEO of a bank, People's Bank, as I mentioned. But uh, he has also been, uh, over the years, a, a, a great source of uh, information for Business West and a frequent participant in our economic outlook uh, previews, as we call them, as we head into the new year. And, and you took part in one of those as well this year, Tom. And we talked in December. Uh, this time we're talking in December. We're actually uh, several weeks into the new year. So we can talk with a little perspective there as we, not just what might uh, happen, but what we've already seen happen. And it, it's already been a, a crazy couple of weeks so far, uh, not just with the stock market, but with inflation and, and all kinds of factors that might impact the economy. And uh, we want to start by getting your thoughts on, on what you're seeing so far uh, and, and quickly kind of dovetail into uh, what we foresee happening uh, this year in the forces that are going to determine where our economy is going. Uh, there's a, a lot to unpack there, but uh, kind of start anywhere you want. Wow. Yeah, that is a lot to start for. So um, what do we see so far in, in you know, we, we ended the year with uh, <laughs> a ton of economic issues that I'm sure all of us are facing and feeling uh, these days between you know, supply chain issues, labor issues, um, uh, the stock market as of late, um, uh, participation rate and, and the challenges with, uh, with labor um, and interest rates. Um, my, my, my comfort zone is interest rates. Um, I, I'm not sure I can add too much value on everything else as everyone else is is closer to some of these issues than, than I am when it comes to supply chain issues. But, you know, from what we see in, in 2021 um, with inflation, um, you, you heard the Fed say for years that their, their benchmark rate is 2% inflation. Um, and when they start hitting 2%, we'll start seeing, you know, a rise in interest rates. And uh, uh, we're well above the 2% inflation rate. And um, we're starting to hear them talk about it a little bit more as there um, there is concern on the growth of the economy. But um, we're expecting that rates are going to start shooting up in, in 22. Um, we're expecting probably three rate increases by the Fed, which uh, the Fed typically controls our short-term rates. For, for those listeners that have home equity lines of credit or commercial lines of credit, it's going to immediately impact them um, as those short-term rates are tied to the Federal Reserve rate, which is tied to the prime rate for most likely or most lines of credit. So you'll start to see an impact uh, immediately from that um, as the Fed starts to rise uh, rates. The market controls the long-term rates, which a lot of us in the consumer side is, is driven. Um, the market controls mortgage rates more so. Um, 10-year treasury, 10-year treasury has bumped up uh, the highest in, in well over a year. So you're starting to see mortgage rates start to tick up too. Um, I think that has an impact on the economy. I heard your, your talk a, a little while ago regarding uh, residential uh, market in, in Western Mass and the impact that rising rates has. And uh, we're seeing it in the banking industry of, of not much inventory, um, housing prices creeping up. 
Uh, with interest rates creeping up, I, I think you'll start to see a slowdown a little bit. I think a lot of people buy based on payments more than what the actual value is. And the duration of mortgage rates having been down for so long has driven a lot of the economic uh, growth that we've seen. Um, you know, with with extremely low interest rates, people can afford more. There's a lot more discretionary income. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think you've seen that over the years. I think you're going to start to see a little bit of a slowing in that regard as uh, housing inventories are short. Um, there's still a lot of demand, but uh, with, as I mentioned about rates, with rates rising, you're going to see prices start to come down, I think a little bit, or at least level out. So um, we're, 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 we're seeing that. Um, the, the year has started off very slow. We, we had a really strong fourth quarter. Um, and we had a really strong 2021 for that matter as well. But okay. I, I, I see a flattening in 22, so to speak. Talk about the ways that inflation impacts specific businesses, specific industry sectors, and the economy as a whole, just so our listeners will understand. I mean, we've got inflation moving up to almost 8% now, 40-year high. Uh, there's a lot of people concerned, but why should they be? Well, you know, um, it's funny, Judge, we had a conversation, I can't remember what it was about a while ago when I was talking about, you know, inflation and core inflation. And we, we hear media report inflation and then we hear um, news agencies or Wall Street bankers that talk about inflation. And the, the, the core inflation um, does not contain all the things that we might think it contains. Core inflation contains a market basket, so to speak, of of everyday items that we buy, but it doesn't contain a lot of other things. And then the other piece of it is when they calculate the core inflation index, there are certain weights given to certain parts of what's in those baskets, so to speak. So for example, gas. Gas is in the core inflation index and it only makes up 3% of the entire index. What's happened to gas prices over the past year? They're up, I don't know, 30 or 40%. Uh, Mm -hmm. in gas prices, but it's only 3% of the index. So we can say that inflation is up 8%, but that's not a true indicator of what you, me, or the rest of us consumers typically spend money on. So if you're heavily reliant on fuel and transportation, you're not up 8%, you're up a whole lot more than 8%. So when Mm -hmm. we talk about inflation and we talk about um, other things we may be purchasing in our economy, um, it, there's a lot more to it than just inflation. You look at travel, you look at housing, you look at supply chain issues, you look at furniture. Those, those are all things that personally I've experienced that are way higher than 8%. So when you ask how does it affect the rest of us and the, rec- the, the economy, um, it's way more than 8%. You talk about real wages. Real wages are, are up uh, significantly, but relative to inflation, wages are actually down. So we're working for less money, so to speak, uh, even though right. it feels like we have more in our pockets, it's costing us a whole lot more to live. So how does it impact the, impact the economy and our economy? Um, add, add in the labor shortage and supply chain issues, and it has a huge impact. And I think we're all experiencing that and seeing that. Um, I don't see that. I don't see that decreasing. We talked about temporary increases in, in inflation and it is temporary. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's going back down. That means it's leveling off. So prices, I don't right. see going back down. So there's going to be, I think it's going to continue at, at the pace that we're at right now, but I don't see it going up higher than 8%, but it's certainly going to impact a lot of the businesses that um, you know we, we interact with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. When we talked back in December, uh, you know, we, we talked about the many forces that were going to kind of dictate what kind of year 22 was going to be, and there are probably 
three or four of them that probably come right to the top of the list. But, uh, you know, as, as you survey the scene, what, what do you think is going to basically determine what kind of year this is going to be for everyone? Well, I think interest rates are definitely going to have, you know, the an impact on um, consumer prices as businesses have to grapple with um, interest rates. I think labor is going to be the biggest uh, thing that we're all, and, and even in my industry, not just in manufacturing or retail, um, we're experiencing um, unbelievable shortages of labor um, that does not allow us to grow. I think I'm seeing that in a lot of businesses that we do business with. I think in the restaurant industry, you're seeing uh, extreme challenges that are going to be um, you know, majorly impactful when it comes to labor and their ability to hire people to provide services. And um, I, I think all of those are going to continue throughout 2022 um, and, have a, and have a huge impact on how we, how we do business. Um, I don't, the, the biggest one, actually, if we don't get COVID under control or at least decide how we're going to live with it, um, I think that's going to have and continue to have a major impact where we're going back to, you know, quarantining mandates between vaccines and masks and, you know, the inconsistencies of the towns and municipalities that we live in. Um, it, it has a impact, I think, on how people um, do business or where they do business and where they you know, travel to. Um, I, I think that's going to continue unless we get it under control. I've read something from um, Mass General uh, epidemiologist the other day that thinks that we're probably four more weeks left and then this thing is going to disappear. Why? I don't know. But the epidemiologist made a comment that, you know, once we get through this peak and we start hitting into late winter, early spring, that um, immunity will start to prevail, so to speak, and it will have a uh, extremely positive impact on the economy. And my fingers are crossed that that's, that's a true statement. So mm. I think those are the major components. Mm. Certainly. Uh, when we talk about workforce, um, I know people, most people anyway, think about uh, the hospitality industry, the restaurant uh, industry, those types of industry sectors. But the, it has really been everywhere. And, and you and I have talked about it even gets into banking and financial services, positions that we wouldn't think uh, would be impacted to this degree. But uh, it looks like even some of those jobs were having a, a shortage of candidates and uh, uh, people leaving. The great resignation is hitting those sectors as well. What have you seen uh, in your industry and in your specific uh, business? You know, it's interesting is uh, I just got a report the other day. We had 14 um, voluntary um, people leave in the fourth quarter. 11 of them retired and they were in their early 60s. They didn't get to age 65, they retired. Um, people I talk to in business, I think are experiencing the same thing. I think the, um, and I'll talk about this in a second, the labor participation rate, people are choosing not to want to work anymore. And I don't think there's one thing you can put your finger on, but I'm sure if you thought about it, I, um, that people are just, I think, sick of working, willing to take a change in lifestyle to um, get away from the challenges. I do think the pandemic had a large impact on people's decisions to change how they live and enjoy life differently. Um, and I think consequently, it's really having a hit you know, throughout our entire country when it comes to um, labor. Um, I was I was talking to someone the other day about the participation rate. Um, the participation rate is the lowest participation rate in our country in more than 20 years. Meaning, if you take um, those people who are employed, those people who are unemployed, add them together, and divide it by the entire 
workforce, the age of our workforce, uh, and I think that's like 22 to 65, that's how you get the participation rate. Those people available to work, those people working, divided by the entire potential workforce. It's about 62% right now. It was at an... Um, it was pre-pandemic at about 67%. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you multiply that 5% by um, you know, hundreds of millions of people, uh, it's a big number that of people that are choosing not to want to work anymore. And I think it says it all. I don't have a you know, statistic specifically that pinpoint why people don't want to work anymore, but it could be a combination of um, government support for for you know, people that are affected by the pandemic and along with those people that just choose not to work. So um, I, I don't see that improving anytime soon as a result of these. Well, know. I was just going to ask if you talk to any industry analyst to give you an indication of where that number might go. Uh, is it, if it continues down, we're, we're all going to be in a lot of trouble in yeah. terms of just finding people. I, I have an answer to your question. No, I haven't. I haven't talked to anyone that, you know, has an indication and everything I read or talk to, it's a lot of individual opinions about, you know, the direction it's going. It's hard to pinpoint. Um, been talking and reading a lot about, you know, disruption supply chain and what, what a lot of people's opinions are of why it's disrupted. And it's, it's a lot of different combinations of things. I don't think it can pinpoint, but I think that has a, uh, that has a lasting impact, I think, um, on our economy, not just ours, but the world, world economy as well. So um, I, I don't have an answer for you on that. Okay. Well, let's switch gears. So first of all, uh, just to remind you, you're listening to Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. Uh, we're talking with Tom Senecal. He's the president and CEO of People's Bank. Uh, we've been talking about the economy and the forces that are going to prevail upon it uh, in the months and the quarters to come. But uh, let's talk about your sector. Let's talk about banking. Uh, we've got a really strong banking community in this region. Uh, what do you see happening within your own sector? Uh, always talk about whether there will be uh, continued merger and acquisition activity and what we can expect to happen. And most people in your shoes uh, go, I don't know. <laughs> let, me, let me know when you know is what I, I do. I, I go to conferences. Actually, I'm, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm heading out to a conference this weekend. And um, you, the, one of the topics is always, you know, what's happening in our industry and mergers and consolidations and, um, every year I go to this conference, they raise their hand. They say, how many of you um, anticipate, you know, participating in a merger acquisition this year? And 90% of the room raises your hand. And then he says, okay, for all of you that think you're going to be the one to acquire another institution, you know, raise your hand. And 90% of the people, you know, raise their hand. And, you know, how many of you think you're going to be the acquired? No one raises their hand. So everyone wants to buy. <laughs> no one wants to sell. Um, and it was, it's a phenomenon in our industry that, yeah, we're going to merge. We're looking for opportunities. But um, there's plenty of buyers and not a lot of sellers. Um, you know, I, just to talk about my industry for a second, I was just looking at our numbers for our annual meeting. We are up almost 35, 40% in deposits in two years. Since the start of the pandemic, we're up a billion dollars in deposits. That is money that was not there two years ago. It's coming from various sources. Um, and it's kind of pent up demand is how I see it. There's plenty of money um, in our bank. And I know my competitors are seeing the same thing that their deposits are through the roof. We have a ton of cash to supply, to lend. Um, so I do see 22 as an opportunity for lending. However, I see the challenges of lending because it's hard on the on on the manufacturing, on the retail side, and on the multifamily housing to support those as there's there's a lot of challenges on their end, 
and to lend it, you know, out to those organizations. So I don't see a lot of growth when it comes to our, our, our loan portfolio. I see um, a ton of challenges. I see rising rates. I don't see, you know, people um, or companies borrowing much as, as rates start to rise. Um, on the mergers and acquisition side, it is getting more and more expensive and challenging to, um, to, to compete as a bank. We have, we have six people in our bank that their only job is to do compliance work, federal and state regulatory, to keep us safe, to keep us following the laws and regulations that we operate under. And we're a small community bank, and relatively speaking. Um, that, that's an enormous cost for smaller institutions, Technology. We're making huge investments in technology, and we've talked a little bit about that on our video bankers and other things that are extremely expensive in order to stay competitive. It's hard as a smaller institution to do that. So I see smaller institutions, and I'll define that as those under a billion dollars in assets, um, as starting to, I think, you know, look inwards and ask themselves whether or not in the continuing down this path, the competition is the right thing or to look at, you know, potentially merging with a larger partner. Um, hmm. I've talked to a few. They're not quite ready. I think some think they can survive forever, and I get that. And and, and it's um, it's a challenge because um, I, I, I can. I, no one wants to be out of a job. No one wants to put their community bank up for sale. Um, but I think that the nature of the competitiveness of our market is going to push some of those smaller banks um, to the table, so to speak. Okay, interesting. Uh, another one. I don't know if we could do this quickly, but um, I know that uh, COVID has kind of taken uh, an important issue with our area banks, and that is uh, giving back to the community uh, to a kind of a new, even higher level. Uh, I don't know, your bank has always been proud of its uh, track record in this regard, and you just set another record for charitable contributions this past year. But how has COVID kind of changed the landscape in terms of what banks are looking to do uh, in terms of giving back, and, and how has it changed at your institution? Yeah, I've noticed a lot of my competitors, including ourselves, have really stepped up to the plate during COVID. Um, I've been blown away by some of the generosity of a lot of, uh, you know, all of us in our in our marketplace. And um, we, too, have stepped up and, and have set all time records with giving. I think the need is there. Um, the food banks have been enormous, enormously had high demand on their services. And, and um, ourselves and a couple other banks have really stepped up to the plate to support those sorts of things. I think, you know, what's unique about us, though, um, is our volunteerism, too. Our employees have not stepped away from providing their times and services to the area nonprofits. Um, we've got a few testimonials out there of our participation, not just our dollars, but our participation and support. Our employees are out there. And I know some of our, our other uh, banks do it as well. I just am extremely proud of our employees who really, you know, step up to the plate and volunteer out there and and evidenced by some of the testimonials you'd hear on our website and, and what have you on how participatory we are. So I think that's what's changed. I think um, it, there's a huge need. We are the last, I shouldn't say the last, there's a few remaining mutual banks in Western Massachusetts. We are the largest mutual bank in Western Mass. Um, if you look at the stock banks, it's a challenge for them to, to um, give back to the communities the way the mutuals can, where mutuals are owned by our depositors. It's our mission to try to support our communities. And I think uh, those of us that remain mutual are are pretty strong in, in that regard and supporting our communities. So you don't see that from the public banks, you see it from the mutuals. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time and your input. Uh, as always, uh, very insightful. Uh, be anxious to uh, see where we are in six months, nine months. Uh, 
with a lot of your projections and uh, thoughts on what's going to drive the economy in the year ahead. I think it's going to be an interesting time, and uh, I hope we reverse some of those numbers uh, regarding everything from inflation to workforce participation rate. Uh, I have a new number to watch. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Okay. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you for having us. Thank you to all of you for listening. Uh, This has been Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. I'm George O'Brien, the editor of Business West. We'll see you next time.